AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, welcome to episode 237. Hey, by the way, if you missed the talk with Lionel Richie, go back an episode. Pretty cool. This is going to talk to Lionel Richie. Pretty cool. And I get to talk to Lionel on American Idol and his friend, but pretty cool to get to nerd out and ask him about stuff that, you know, you just don't ask friends real career interview type questions when you're hanging out. Mostly it's like, hey, how was that lunch? It's never like, yo, dude, tell me about 1979. <laughs> He's like the one impression I can do that would decent because I, I do spend enough time with Lionel Richie where I can he go, my friend, let me tell you, it was 1981. The Commodores were blowing up the charts. So that's like the one impression. I, I do a better hand than Luke. But go back an episode if you want. Uh, you know, I don't know what you're doing. Probably quarantined in. Maybe listen to the podcast. If you want to check out Amy's, it's called Four Things with Amy Brown. Uh, Kelly Henderson has the Velvet's Edge podcast, kind of a style and, uh, you know, a, a life podcast called The Velvet's Edge. And check out Caroline Hobbies. You know, she has one called, uh, what's up? <laughs> Get real. Get real. There you go. There it is. Get, I was watching her Instagram uh, today, and her husband was playing a song. I think he was going to play, do one of these acoustic songs everybody's doing. Oh, okay. And uh, he starts to play, and there's a snake under him on the picnic table. Oh. <laughs> she, she just freaks out and takes off running. Very funny. Uh, but uh, all jokes aside, check out Get Real with Caroline Hobby. Uh, pretty cool where she talks to a lot of the wives of country stars. Interesting. Interesting idea. She talks to a lot of really strong women, but wives of country stars too. This, as you know, is a music podcast. What's great about this one, this episode, is that since everybody's quarantined in, I can basically just go like, yo, you want to talk? And they're like, yeah, why not? So we got Matt Ramsey from Old Dominion coming up, who was going to be in for the first time. Yeah. But Corona Scare got us. And then uh, Brett Young, who first time to catch up with him, I had seen he was living on his tour bus because his wife and daughter are in his house and he didn't want to get him sick. But he can tell you that story coming up. So I, I'm, I like this episode. It's two artists, Brett Young first, Matt Ramsey from Old Dominion second. And if you like this and you don't mind, share this and tell your friends and, and give us a five-star rating. Before we go, let me encourage you to check out Mike's podcast. If you like movies, Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. 
seeing some growth in the numbers over there, man. Yeah. I love doing it. So people have been checking it out. I tell you, I have a friend that works for Nat Geo. He's one of the big dogs there. His name's Terry. I don't know if he, is he going to hear this or not, but he sent me a note talking about listening to your podcast. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, big wig. He's like, really, I, I, I like him because he's just a fun guy to talk to and our sensibilities are pretty similar. Um, and, and he's worked with like Howie Mandel. He's, I mean, he's worked with a lot of really cool people. Um, but now he works on the talent side at Nat Geo. And he's basically the guy that was like, hey, you know, whenever I did uh, Bear Grylls, mm-hmm. you know, it was him and, and Courtney Monroe, the president there that really vouched for me. But anyway, he hit me up. He was like, I like that movie, Mike's movie podcast. That's awesome. I didn't even ask him what he's listening <laughs> That's to. That's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So check it out, Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. What's the last episode you did? So I have a quarantine movie playlist, so a bunch of like franchises you can binge right now. I recommend some. Okay. Whew, movies are tough to binge. <laughs> but you have time right now. Morgan. The Star Wars movies. Watch all nine Star Wars movies yeah. in a weekend. Crazy. Okay, check it out. Uh, here is today's podcast. Here's the l- latest episode. I hope you like it. And if you do, go check out some old ones. We got a lot of good ones up here for some of your favorite stars. All right, bye. Yo, dude. What's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, you know, just the uh, <laughs> same thing, Groundhog Day over here. Like everybody. You know, I, I saw um, some of the stuff we were on your tour bus. That, are you out there for a reason? Like, so you don't get your wife or, and kids sick, or what's the story behind that? Yeah, because we, we, we were at that festival in Europe, um, and one of the shows was in Berlin, like right when the big outbreak hit over there. And so, like, when I got home, you know, we came home early because it, the travel ban hit halfway into our trip, but I just, I had been to like Amsterdam, Berlin, Stockholm, and Oslo, and I'd been on like six planes, and I was just like, you know, if this can take 14 minutes for symptoms, or 14 days for symptoms to show, like I feel fine now, but what if I start having symptoms and I'm already holding my baby and sleeping in bed with my wife, and I just didn't want to take the risk. Well, how mature of you? Yeah, well, I can fake it sometimes. (laughs) Hey, what was that like when you're in Europe and... You know, in the early part of Corona, and we're kind of figuring out that it's a pretty real thing, and you know, some of our institutions are going to be moved because of it. And you're out of the country. What happens to you while you're over there? Yeah, it was pretty scary. The second show was um, was Berlin, and the afternoon of the show, like three o'clock, their government came out and said, like, no gatherings. Uh, I think it was 500 at the time or bigger. And I don't know how, because that was at 3 o'clock. We still played the show. I headlined, I think, with like 4,000 people. So <laughs> I don't really – that was kind of scary because they're saying it's not safe to have that big of a group and we're just playing our show anyways. Um, but I think, you know, as it went on, that was the beginning of, of other governments starting to you put that restriction on, on public gatherings and stuff. And by the time we were in Oslo, uh, we had one club show left before we were going to go to the U.K. and play the other big three arena shows. And like an hour before the show, their government came out and said, uh, like 50 people or less. And we're going, okay, this is, this is like, we're being irresponsible by staying over here. And so we actually booked our flights home like two hours before Trump came out with the travel ban. So it was, um, it was, I, I mean, I don't think it's, I think people over here think that it's a little bit crazier uh, over in Europe. It felt kind of the same. Everybody's anxiety, um, is kind of palpable just like it is here right now. Um, but it was just weird to not be home and know that you were running the risk of maybe getting stuck over there. Did you ask how much those flights cost to get back, or did you just go get me oh, home? Dude, I know how much they cost. It was it, it was definitely a low blow. Yeah, you don't want to share? Uh, I mean, I no. <laughs> it's, 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 honestly, I don't want to. Yeah, it's it's well, it's hey, I, I will say this. 
because we booked ours two hours before the travel ban, yeah, we got them before they went up to like an unreasonable number. Yeah, I know some people that waited. Um, I know ours ours doubled from when we bought them to two hours later. And who makes that call in your group? Was it you going, "Hey, we got to go"? Uh, it was. We had our finger on that button the whole time, and it was uh, the the club shows I was playing in Stockholm and Oslo were just. Uh, me and my music director, so just two guitars, little acoustic clubs. And uh, so my manager was actually on that run. There were just four of us. And it was kind of me and my manager, like, watching the news on the regular. But we both looked at each other when the when the Oslo were at the venue and the show got canceled, and we went, we got to go. It was like, we like you know, you make eye contact with somebody and you know you're on the same page. Yeah. It was one of those deals. So, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have pulled that trigger without me, um, but it was something that we knew was a possibility the whole time. So you get off the plane, and since you knew all this was happening, you didn't hug your wife or kiss your baby or anything like that? No, so all I did was I went home. I left all my luggage, my backpack, my suitcase, uh, everything in the garage because it can live on surfaces for three days. I undressed in the garage, um, showered, threw my towel straight into the laundry, threw stuff in a bag, and drove to the bus. What are you doing for food? Is it not the stock? You don't have like, I mean, maybe Cheerios from bus stock, but I'm like, well, how are you eating? Um, we had some stuff. Uh, I had probably two days worth of food, um, but then I've been doing Instacart, like grocery orders, and yeah. just having them leave it outside the bus and then wiping down every item with wipes one at a time before I put it, bring it into the bus. I'm assuming you feel all right, healthy, right? Just, you're almost, yeah, done, you're, feel, you're almost done with this, I right? I feel great. Yeah, I feel I don't have any symptoms, and uh, you know when I decided to do this, they were still saying it takes five days to show symptoms, and then on day two they changed it to fourteen, and I was like, Oh no! <laughs> so I thought I was that coming sucks. for five days. Uh, joke was on me. Are you doing any solo riding while you're on the bus? I've kind of messed with it a little bit, but I'm, I'm, you know, with everything that's going on, and like, there's a ton of business decisions to be made right now as as shows are getting postponed and moved and all of that. That like I kind of it's been hard to put on the creative hat. I definitely have uh, a guitar in here that I've been like fooling around with, and it usually ends up just not going anywhere because I got too many other things on my mind. So um, once I get home and I've got a Wi-Fi situation, I'm going to start doing like virtual rights and stuff. But I just yeah, I haven't really been I haven't really had the bug to to be creative. If you don't have Wi-Fi or a strong signal, are you able to watch Netflix? Yeah. So luckily, um, uh, the the streaming thing's not happening, but uh, our direct TV package has like all the movie channels. Oh, cool. So I've, I've seen every movie in the world now. Well, what's but, good. What'd you watch? It was good. Cause I'm struggling now a little bit, except for tiger King on Netflix. I'm just searching around. Yeah. I've, 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 so once I get home, tiger Kings, uh, my wife's already started it and she's digging it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you follow my socials, but one day I literally watched all of the Rockies in, in one day. Uh, <laughs> That was great. Um, What's the best one? Because I have my feelings. Uh, best Rocky. What's the best one? Yeah, we'll both pick one. Uh, which which is the it, best Rocky? It's hard to say, but I think Rocky Four with the Russian is yeah, my favorite. Me too. I'm I'm okay. Let's go to the second best one, and you can put the Creeds in there if you want. What's the second best Rocky? So honestly, if if we can do Creeds, so like all of them, including Rocky Balboa and Creeds, right? Yeah. I would go Rocky Four then the first creed then rocky 2 interesting i think i put the first creed 
second as well. Rocky two is good because he wins, right? Like, uh-huh. it, not, no, it's not spoiler alert, folks. If you're out there, this first Rocky was made in like 1979 or 1980. So if you haven't watched it by now, just suck it up. But <laughs> exactly, because he loses the first one to Apollo, right? Yeah, they uh, they're in the they, hospital. They, uh, yeah, on a on a decision, right? Yes, and then he so that's wins. Why they fight again because Apollo like isn't satisfied with that. And so then three is the awful one with Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. I didn't really like that one that much. Did you? No, 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 not at all. And I didn't really care for the one, and you may like this one, but the one where uh, Tommy Morrison comes, I don't know that I loved that one. I, I liked it. I don't know that I loved it, though. Yeah, Rocky Balboa. That was fun. What did you think about the one where he comes back and he's old? What was that one called? That was ju- what was that one called? I think Rocky Five was with Tommy Morrison. I think Rocky Balboa is where he comes back and fights. You're, you are correct. Yeah. You are correct, yeah. Rocky Balboa is the one when he comes back. Um, and, he, and they did the virtual fight, and then, and then they, he went to Vegas and fought him. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's pushing it at that point. Like, it was already pushing it with Rocky Five. He's already too old for that to be believable. But with Rocky Balboa, I was like, guys, come on. I was thinking and of... Like, what was that whole, like, if you fight again, you could die, but then he passes all his text, tests and gets cleared by the boxing yeah. commission. If you go through like the how? physical... You're not going to die. That's the whole point of the physical. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and I also struggled a bit with this second creed in that I started rooting a bit for the Russian son because yeah. he was not treated well. And, and he was only like he was because he was treated like garbage. Yeah. And you felt bad for him that his mom abandoned him too. Yeah. Right? And so I didn't really know. And then Creed is all like rich. I, I like Creed one. I, wait, I loved Creed one. I liked Creed two. How do you fall on those two? Yeah, same. One was better. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. the Godfather movies? Because th- those are movies I have not got into. I've never seen them. But just like you watched Rockies, I've been thinking about hopping into the Godfather. Yeah, yeah. It's been years and years. I haven't revisited them. But like, like back in college, um, yeah, I, I, I like them. I, I would put. I'd rather watch Scarface than Godfather. I see. I've never seen that one either. But Scarface, is that a series or just one movie? Um, if they did more than one, I don't know about it. Oh, it is? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, not to, not to ruin it for you, but yeah. uh, the way the first one ends, I don't know how they could. Well, and it's not ruining it. If any movie's over 15 years old, you, you know, it's just on me to have not seen it. Well, that's interesting. What well, else? They, you- just, they just they fill them with bullets over a giant pile of cocaine on his desk in his house that's how it's like that's the end so mm. well mike should i still watch it then it's, i know the ending yeah okay great movie okay okay what? you definitely should watch it i think you should watch it I, he's he's it's it's like a it's a full-blown like gory gangster movie that is hilarious al pacino is hilarious so what else are you doing in the bus talk about business are you trying to figure out how to reschedule these shows and what you're going to do whenever we do come back yeah, that's a big part of it. You know, we, we, like our big thing is that we don't want to cancel anything. So it's all about trying to move them. And, and, and we also don't want to make announcements that they're moved or postponed until we know where we put them. So we're trying to actually get them on the books for a different date before we even let anybody know for sure that it's not happening. So it's tricky because, you know, really everybody that's having to cancel anything or move anything March, April – is all trying to squeeze them into November, December. So you have every act in the business yeah. trying to find venues for those last six to eight weeks, and so it's uh it's been it's been pretty interesting. But um, but yeah, there's a lot of that, and there's uh, you know, you know, there all of us carry like a pretty big load of rentals, whether it's like buses or semi trucks or musical equipment and stuff. And uh, 
trying to fig- come to you know some sort of agreement with these companies that you know hey you can add <laughs> x amount a month on the end of our contract if you give us a break right now while nobody's making money and yeah. just try to just try we're trying to stre- stretch what we have out as long as we can so in case this thing goes longer than we think it will um, because nobody knows uh, that we'll still be around and be able to afford to get back on the road I know tickets to the chapter store available now but the, I guess a good thing is it wasn't supposed to kick off till April 16th right and we're not there yet, so if you don't have to make a decision, why would you? I'm talking about in your place right now. You can kind of sit for a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, we. So we. That's the second half of it. So unfortunately, uh, you know, there was a there was a date uh, at the end of March that uh, in Arkansas that we had to move already, um, and there were, uh, and then and then the the second half started on the 16th. And so yeah, like like you said, hopefully, yeah, you know, in a perfect world, May one is what we're looking at to get back on track and. Uh, they're saying that's the earliest and that August is the latest. I'm hoping for the earliest, but you know, even if they, even if Trump kind of changes what we're allowed to do publicly, I bet you public gatherings is going to be the last thing to get cleared. Yeah. It'd be tough to go. All right. We've just been given a controversial clearance. Let's everybody get together. That'd be tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I saw, and, you know, and nobody's got anybody that doesn't already have a ticket that's paid for are probably not spending money after they've been out of work for, two months on concert tickets. That's a good point, too. Uh, so, it's interesting. It's scary. I was uh, looking at this playlist you put up that's uh, Brett Young, quarantined with 112 songs, 65 hours. And it's a lot of your songs, a lot of your favorite songs, that people submit their songs. I was kind of looking through the list a little bit. So, But I'm trying to get a feel for you as like what you listen to when you're alone. Like, Who is your favorite artist of all time? Of all time, yeah. Gavin DeGraw. Is that right? Yeah. How cool that yeah. you get to be friends with your favorite favorite. I just I knew he was a big uh, a big part of, you know, your music and you really liked him. I didn't know he was your favorite though. That's cool. Yeah, his his uh his songwriting is very uh unique and interesting to me and his voice is my I could listen to Gavin sing forever. Um so that's I mean it it was very cool that that we crossed paths and got to become friends and and we worked together a little cuz that's a uh, that's definitely like working with one of my idols. So that's that's definitely top of the list. There's a guy though um, that uh, I met a couple of years ago playing the ASCAP stage at Sundance um, in Park City, um, and uh, he has a song out right now uh, that that everybody's loving called "If the World Was Ending" with Julia Michaels. But um, his name is JP Sachs, and he has a new EP out, and all the songs on his EP are on repeat for me right now. So you know that dude. I mean, yeah, we met. Like I said, we met doing an ASCAP event a couple of years ago, but we've uh, been in touch recently about getting together and writing when he's in town. But there's just something uh, really like honest and straightforward about his songwriting, and he's got a really cool voice. So I've been kind of mainlining uh, JP Sachs lately. Well, let me go back to Gavin for a second because I think of the people that I love, and I've been able to work alongside or do some stuff with them, and you know, it's always an interesting thing to 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 be a peer to someone that you admire when the, when you meet Gavin for the first time, do you remember that? Yeah. The first time I met Gavin, well, that's kind of a, yes. So I was at his show. He was on a, a co-headlining tour with Avril Lavigne and I was living in LA and they played the Greek theater and uh, Gavin, I don't know if he still does this, but he always used to go out and listen to the opener, just stand in the crowd. And if people approach him, they approached him. And, uh, and that night, um, she was on stage and I was with, um, was a couple of my cousins, uh, girls, both younger than me. And we saw him and we went over and, and introduced ourselves and took pictures with him and stuff. And, 
my cousins drove back to Orange County. I went out to a nightclub after the show, and me and my buddy at like 3 o'clock in the morning were eating at Mel's Diner on Sunset. And we were out on the patio um, right along the sidewalk on Sunset, and Gavin came walking down the street, and I yelled at him and stopped him, and we had a conversation. I was just about to go into the studio to record my first EP ever. This was like 2004, 2005 maybe. And uh, he stopped for 20 minutes at 3 o'clock in the morning and asked me questions and gave me advice about you know recording the EP and, and about songwriting and the whole thing. And um, fast forward a year later, and I'm in Hawaii for a U2 concert. I find out Gavin's playing uh, for the Honolulu Marathon at the Waikiki Shell. And uh, same thing. He's standing out listening to this ukulele player before. I walk up to him, and he's like, dude, I remember you. Mel's on Sunset. Wow. <laughs> and his, I couldn't believe that he remembered, but he was like, dude, I, it was a crack-up. He's like, I hate Hawaii. It's terrible. It's all tourists. What are you doing later? Let's get a beer. I'm staying at, I forget if he was staying at the, at the long border or whatever. But uh, we ended up hanging out the rest of that trip, going to the U2 show together, and we've been buddies ever since. I have a good Gavin DeGraw story where we were at the airport, and we were on the same flight flying back from Los Angeles. And just to show how nice of a guy is, we're, we're flying back, and He's in the seat behind me, and we're talking a little bit, but it's that awkward thing where you don't really want to turn around and have the conversation through the hole in the middle of the seats, <laughs> but you're like, hey, man, you good? Yeah, you good, and he had just um, done some charity work. We did some charity work together, and, and we come off the plane about the same time, so we're talking on the way out, and Gavin's a super nice guy. It's funny that you mentioned that you just went up to him because in the airport, he'll, he stops and talks to anybody who wants to come up, and it's mm-hmm. just saying hello to anybody and everybody and just a smile on his face, and we're waiting for our bags of baggage, and I'm taking pictures with a few people. He's taking pictures with a few people, and I'm, I'm, you know, and people are like struggling to take pictures. And you know, if someone's like, "Hey, can I get a picture?" and they give their phone to somebody, and they're like, "Oh crap, we got to flip the camera." All this stuff's happening, and he pulls me aside and he goes, "Hey, man, I'm gonna give you a little advice on these pictures because I was just taking pictures with people, but it was taking me a lot longer than it was him." And he said, "Hey, what you do?" He said, "Just grab their phone and go. Hey, let's get that selfie and just." go boom, boom, and, and hand them their phone. That way you can get more people on the line faster. And also, they're not like, I can't flip my phone. You avoid all of that trouble of them not knowing how to handle their phone. And so yep. that was my Gavin DeGraw advice. So we both have been served a little bit of, uh, of, of Gavin's uh, sage wisdom. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he is the king of the meet and greet. I got to give him that. He's, he, if there is, he won't leave until everybody that got their picture is happy. Do you feel like, speaking of meet and greets, that you're going to do yours different? for now on as far as just touching as much and hugs and pictures and stuff? Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a great question. We definitely, uh, while we were over in Europe, we canceled all the meet and greets. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to look. I mean, the, the tour that I'm on has a, has a VIP meet and greet package. So I don't know that canceling it is an option, but, um, it's got, it's got to change somehow. It's got to be like, you know, no shaking hands or, or it's got to be something. It's got to change a little bit. Social um, social distance meet and greet until we flatten the curve, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Do you watch the news a lot or no? Um, yeah, but lately it's been like a a lot of the same information, and it's become it started to become kind of a downer. So I do like a I do like a before bed check in rather than watching it all day long at this point. Do you ever listen to your own music and you're in the bus? Just turn it up and have a, a <laughs> have a breath. Not unless it's new and I just wrote it. Otherwise, yeah. I I take a break from my voice as often as possible. Uh, last time you were in, just to kind of catch up, you hadn't had the baby. You had the baby right afterward. Like, how? Yeah. What's the difference in life right now? Everything. Nothing is the same. Um, even even being here right now, like I bet I, I would have 
let my wife decide, but I bet I like I would have gone home, and if she got it, we like we would have it together, you know. Yeah. The, the virus I'm talking about. So like even down to that, but I think um, it, it changes. You know, I used to I used to be a really like late night like night owl guy, um, and then I would because I could sleep in because shows. You know, I don't have to be into soundcheck till like two, and uh, and it's it's now it's like. Because you have to be up in the morning with the baby, you're getting tired earlier. And it's like, even on the road now, I get off stage and I used to need a little time to like, you know, let the kind of adrenaline come down. And it's like half the time now I walk off stage, walk back, change into like clean clothes and fall into bed. So it's, I mean, it's definitely, uh, I'm definitely adulting nowadays, which is not something I was used to. I'm looking at a picture of your baby here on your Instagram. By the way, it's Brett Young Music. Who do you see in your baby's face more, you or your wife? I still think it's more me, um, but when she was born, the first month, it, it was my twin. I mean, she was exactly me. Um, I'm starting to see, even though she's my coloring, she's got lighter skin and light eyes and light hair, um, I'm starting to see more of, like, my wife's, the shape of my wife's, wife's face. I think she has, like, a lot of Taylor's features, but she has all my coloring. So it's starting to become more of a blend. But I think if you ask people at this point, they'd still say more me. How's Taylor doing having to be the sort of single mom right now <laughs> she's she's doing great luckily her mom was in town visiting when this whole thing went down and because her mom's in that like mid-60s age range which is like like high risk we decided that it wasn't safe for her to fly and especially they live like in the seattle area which is like washington is the worst right now so um she's it worked out great that she's been able to have her mom there helping while i've been on the bus so um, she's doing good I'm, I'm sure she's excited for me to come be able to help and, and take on part of the load, but it's been nice to have grandma there. I'll give you one more question before we jump, but it's, I guess, about songwriting. You have something new that happened in your life, which is your baby. Are you writing songs now with new intentions because there is something new in your life? Absolutely. I, you and I have talked about this before. Um, I, ne- I never want to write um, in, a, in a way that would come across pandering. You know, like, I don't want to, I'm not going to put out a lullabies record because I just had a baby, you know, like that's that's just not how it's going to work. But at the same time, authenticity um, in songwriting has always been really important to me. Like if I'm not writing about something I've been through or at least associate with or relate to, then I don't think I can expect people to like connect with the song, you know, if I'm not connected with it. And so the best way to do that is to write about your life. And obviously the biggest thing that's happened in my life lately is that we had our first child. So it's, it's definitely influencing the rights. There is a song that I've written for her that we're closing the tour with now. That'll be, that'll come out when my next project comes out, whenever that is. Um, so it, it's, it's a tricky balance because I, yeah, it's, it's going to affect and influence my songwriting, but I also want to make sure that, you know, I don't write 12 songs about uh, my daughter. <laughs> you know, there's, there's people out there still having their heart broken that want to hear the, the quintessential heartbreak song or the people that are, that need that wedding song. And so I want to make sure there's a little bit of something for everyone, but um, she's, she's definitely life has changed forever and it will affect songwriting moving forward for sure. Well, dude, I'm glad to hear you're doing well. I'm glad to hear you have no symptoms and uh, very mature of you to chill on the bus. I don't know if I would have been so mature. It's good to hear from you. (laughs) Thanks, bud. It's always good talking with you. All right, Brad, talk to you soon, bud. This is Holly Fry from stuff you missed in history class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Hey, uh, we're rolling already, so anything you say can and will be used against you. Just right out of the gate. I like it. You know, no need. Hey, you know what? I was talking to Trevor. Uh, I saw him a couple weeks ago, really before all the corona stuff, like, really hit. And I went up to him. Uh, we were at a charity event together. And I was like, hey, dude, you guys had pulled out of um, the Country to Country Festival. And I was like, man, kind of... You guys were the first ones to do that. Kind of the cutting edge of pulling out of festivals. Like you guys knew what was coming. <laughs> yeah, man. We had a little. I don't know, man. We just, you know, we talked about that for a long time, and it was not an easy thing to do. And we knew we were gonna catch some flack for it, but it just, man, felt like the right thing. Especially, you know, when we started talking about like our crew and stuff, because, I mean, partially that was a big part of the decision because those guys don't have any, like, gain for going over there. You know, it's not like they're not getting paid more for going over there. They're not, you know, we're just kind of putting them over there, and at the time it seemed like we were putting them in a little bit of risk of maybe getting stuck or or maybe not getting home as easily as possible, and it just... There was just so much uncertainty around it that we just made that decision. I'm glad we made it. 
it sucks that we piss some people off, but you know, it, we just did it, and now we look like we knew something was coming. But <laughs> yeah, you're like the the Nostradamus of freaking touring bands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you bring up the crew guys. I, I was reading an article on Billboard today, and it was talking about coronavirus and the vulnerability of the gig economy. And it's, you know, who's suffering and, and everybody's suffering, but all those guys. And I can tell you, my, my deal is I felt like I needed to pay it because I just have a tour manager. Right? I do stand up, have a very little crew. You guys have a ton, but I had probably right. eight or nine dates and I was able to pay her because she was one person. But what a lot of people don't know is you have a whole team that is traveling with you who is, uh, some of them are, are gig paid, right? Uh, well, most of our, yes, some of them are. Most of them are on salary at this point. So right now, everybody's good. Oh, really? So, you know, yeah, hopefully, you know, we're trying to ride this out to the very last minute. Um, like right now, it looks like everybody's good everybody's taken care of nobody's working but but right now we don't really have anyone that is scrounging for a paycheck so um so that we're fortunate in that you know in that way that we have gotten to a point where we could you know pay our employees the way we do and and keep them keep them in their homes right now (laughs) well let's rewind a little bit though because let's say it's a year and a half ago or it's some of these artists that have like a hit like they don't really have the yeah. resources to pay someone a salary yet. And, you know, it's a lot of those no. guys who are players or guys that are, you know, running monitors who are now going, what the crap am I supposed to do? Yeah, man, that's, you know, it's, we weren't, we aren't that far removed from that. And there are a lot of those guys out there. And some of them are, you know, on bigger tours too, bigger tours, bigger than us. Like, you know, that's just a, it's just a philosophy of how you want to pay your people and neither one is wrong. We just kind of lucked out this way right now that that's how we chose. But yeah, for those guys and girls that are out there like humping it and they're getting per show pay, it's got to be really, really scary right now. I saw a video you posted uh, trying out curling. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, that was, that, was an old, that was an older video, but that was fun. But what's difficult about that? I'm not saying it's easy because I have no idea. I've just never done curling. I, I, I see it in the, the Winter Olympics. Well, so yeah. w- what's tough about curling? I mean, man, those guys, like, if you, like, talk to the guys that are, like, super into it, that's the only time we ever did it. Um, there's, there's different releases that you can release that stone and make it curve and all this stuff. I mean, the most difficult part is obviously standing on the ice and not just completely busting <laughs> your ass. But, <laughs> but uh, it was fun. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, you know, the sport you can drink a lot of beer while you're playing. It's like, you know, it's like bowling almost. So it's like bowling and shuffleboard. I'm sure like there's people that are super into it that, you know, I don't know. We all sucked at it, but it was fun to try. What are you doing at the house all day now? Uh, man, uh, I've been doing a lot of artwork, actually. I went to art school, so uh, I haven't had a whole lot of time in the past decade to do any kind of like painting or visual art, and that's what I grew up doing a lot of. So I've kind of kind of dove into doing a lot of that lately. What did you go with the intentions of doing when you went to art school? Uh, you know, my degree is in illustration. So 
but but honestly, man, I I just uh, I I couldn't really do anything else. I, I wanted to go to either music school or um, art school because those were two things that I was super passionate about. But I don't know. I still don't know how to read music. I don't know how to read music, so I couldn't really go to music school. I would have been way behind the curve there. So. Um, so art school was really kind of my only other option. So I was either going to have to like stay at home with my parents <laughs> or, uh, and get a job or go to art school. So art school was it. You're telling me you have eight number ones and you don't know how to read music. Don't know how to read. I mean, I can, you know, I mean, I could not sight read a thing. I could not sit down and play, look at a, some sheet music and play it. No, I, I, I couldn't do it. If you, showed me a note and said, what note is that? It would take me embarrassingly long to figure it out. I can figure it out, but uh, no, I don't read music. It's all ear. Of all of, we'll do the number ones, of all the number ones, which one kind of fell out the quickest that you wrote? Um, Save It For Rainy Day was the quickest one. And it's a funny story about that one because so that one was written by me and um, Brad Tercy and um, our friend Andrew Dorf who passed away a couple years ago um, and back then we used to write we had like a sort of standing thing where we would write at 9am before our regular write so we would write our normal write would be scheduled for 11 with whoever, but we would meet at nine and kind of work on something that we had already started or, you know, start something knowing that we weren't going to finish it. But that day we didn't really have anything. So it was a 9 a.m. Right. And I was trying to think of ideas before I, you know, went into the right. And, and I had that idea, save it for any day. And I sort of was driving into the right and, thinking about it and kind of singing through it. And so when I got there, I kind of sang through the idea and they were like, yeah, let's do that. And we wrote that in like 45 minutes. It was done. So when you say you were singing it on the way in, are you just singing the melody? Do you have a lot of the lyrics for the hook? How, how, what does that mean when you say that? Well, I had like, you know, I definitely had the idea of like the chorus of like, the sun's too bright, the sky's too blue, you know, beer's too cold. I had that. I had basically the chorus kind of idea mapped out and the melody but I didn't have you know it wasn't like I was playing a guitar but I, I just heard it in my head so when I got there I just picked up the guitar and said something like this and and there was a song that that um was inspiring me a lot at that point in time that I've actually written a few songs after that there's a song called Supply and Demand by Amos Lee that I just couldn't stop listening to it. I just wanted to keep writing songs like that, and that was sort of my inspiration for that song. So, so yeah, I was just kind of like hearing the melody and the lyrics in my head, and when I got there, I spit it out to them, and they were like, yeah, let's do it. And like I said, 45 minutes, that thing was done. Yeah, I'm a huge Amos, Amos Lee fan. I saw him at the Rhyme. I know Supply and Demand, too. I'm just a big Amos Lee nerd. But I saw Amos oh, yeah. Lee play so at the Ryman... Uh, probably six or seven months ago, and he had lost his voice completely. And so he's up there, he's grinding it out, he's sick. He can only sing the real low parts because the whole high part of his voice was, was, 
was gone. The cold, his cold or his his whatever had eliminated that. And he had the crowd sing a lot of his songs. And I just felt bad for him. And I was happy that he stayed yeah. and, and tried to sing it. But I wonder, you're the lead singer. If you if you have that issue, what is it that you do now? Man, you just do think you do what he did. You power through. Um, I've done it, you know, before. It sucks. Um, I sang with the flu and strep throat before, and it was not fun. And it was actually it was a heartbreaking gig because we were playing at the Stone Pony in New Jersey, and it's a, you know that's a big like Springsteen like hot spot. And I'm a huge Springsteen nerd, and you know that was the first time we ever got to play there, and I was so excited. And I ended up having the flu, but I, and I couldn't sing. But usually, I just kind of address it. You know, I say something to the crowd and say, look, I, you know, at this point, thankfully we have fans that know the words to the songs and I can say, look, I'm, I'm going to push through this, but I need you tonight. And, and they all just kind of carry you through, but it does suck. It gets in your head and, you know, it gets you down because you want to do the best you can. You ever do a steroid shot right before and get that pop? Oh yeah. I've, I've gotten the steroid shots before they, they are magical, but they've got to be terrible for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I usually crash really hard about a day and a half later, like hard where I feel worse than I did to begin with. But as long as yeah. you can get through the show, like that's what it, that's all it feels like it matters because people paid money for tickets, right? Right, yeah. Like I'm okay being sick by myself because people didn't lose money if I'm sick by myself. Right. And if, if I'm playing... And you yeah. know, and they do, they come, and you're harder on yourself than than they are you know i mean you could probably get through that show and no one would even notice if you if you said it if you didn't say anything but it's still in your head and you in your heart and you want to do the best that you can and you know it's such an important and kind of sacred thing when you go out there to do that and especially the bigger and the crowds get and you're like okay this is a people have been looking forward to this moment you know all year long so I got to give it to them, and it sucks to, to have to like do it sick. But, but it, they wouldn't notice half the time. I brought up eight number ones, and that was just Old Dominion. Uh, you know, and you brought up Save It For A Rainy Day, which ended up being uh, you know, a Chesney song. How many number ones do you have total that, aren't, that are all in the world? Do you know? Uh, that, that aren't uh, Old Dominion? Songs? Yeah, like Old Dominion plus other artists. Uh, I have... Because you got eight uh, with OD. Right. So then I've got the one that got away with Mike Waray. I got Save It For Any Day with um, Kenny. I got Say You Do with um, Dirks. Um, Make You Miss Me with Sam. Holy crap. Uh, that might be it, I think. That, m- that might be it. <laughs> <laughs> when, did it when, when did it start to pop for you as a songwriter in town? Like where people started to actually search you out for rights more so than the other way around. Oh man! Um, like after what was it? Maybe not a year, but what did you do where people go, "Oh, that's good. I'd like to write with that guy." Yeah, I mean, I think there was a song that that we wrote, um, Trevor and and I and Josh Osborne wrote a song called "Wake Up Loving You." that Craig Morgan ended up recording. And that song changed the game for me in a lot of different 
ways. Um, but it, it opened up so many doors for me. Like that, that was, and for Old Dominion, honestly, that was like the song. That song got me a publishing deal uh, when I needed it, you know, terribly. Uh, that, that song probably opened up more doors than any other song. You know, that song I remember from the meh, meh, like the alarm Yeah, at the beginning yeah, of it. It was my alarm. Oh, that was from you? Was alarm. that from the demo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. That song, man, it's crazy. Like the, the moment that, really the moment that got me in the mix was this decision to go to Key West for the Songwriter Festival. Have you ever been there? No, no. I usually have to freaking work at my real job. I'd like to go. Right. It's fun, but like back in the day, this is sort of a long story, but back in the day, I was a stay-at-home dad. I was trying to like work and, you know, try to write songs at night and and raise my daughter and try to like somehow make this happen. And I was feeling very frustrated because I'm not a very good like networker and there are people that are really good at that and that gets them pretty far and and I wasn't really good at that but I knew that I was you know writing stuff that was good and if I could just get out there but I couldn't because I had this daughter and you know so I was like look the whole town goes to Key West for for this songwriter festival if I could just go down there then I could spend like three or four days networking for this thing so i had no money i had a friend that um whose brother is a pilot and he got me a free ticket and so i was like okay i don't have a place to stay but i'm gonna go i don't care i'll find a place to stay i got a free ticket down there so i got my bag i landed in key west i'm literally walking down the street with my suitcase and I see a songwriter buddy of mine, his name's Bruce Wallace. And he was like, dude, where are you staying? I was like, God, I don't know. <laughs> he was like, ah, uh, you should stay with me. I have an extra bed. I got a, you know, two beds. So I stayed with him. ASCAP covered my meals. Like I would, I got a like box of granola bars that I would eat for breakfast and for lunch. And then, uh, ASCAP got my dinner every night. And then I waited until, like 3 a.m. at this little bar called the Bottle Cap that was kind of an open mic thing to get up and play my song. And I got up and played Wake Up Loving You. And the whole place went nuts. And actually, Brothers Osborne weren't Brothers Osborne at the time. They were a band called King Billy. And they were the house band. So I got up there with them and played Wake Up Loving You. And that ended up getting me a publishing deal. Wow. And set me, yeah, it's amazing. Let's go back two years. Tell me about Old Dominion two years ago. Where were you guys? 2018. Like, what what, what was the band thinking? Because that's about the time right before you guys really hit hard. Yeah, 2018, two years ago was when, it sounds crazy, but uh, that's when Make It Sweet happened. Um that was when we, it was time to make the next album, and uh, we thought, you know, what are we going to do? Let's just, 
usually we we have like a list of songs that we kind of have to to go in and record and and I had kind of thrown this little tantrum <laughs> one night uh, at the end of the year about how um, we didn't have enough time to make an album and so we needed more more time and our team who is wonderful made the time for us so our first recording session snuck up on us and we didn't have any songs um in mind we had songs but we didn't have a plan so since we didn't have a plan we had studio time we decided to go in and write a song and record it in the same day and see what happened so that was when make it sweet happened and that, that sort of set the tone for the whole thing. I can't believe that was that long ago, but it was. What song that you put out did you feel at the quickest? Uh, did I what now? Did you feel it the quickest? Meaning like, oh, we got ourselves a hit here. Oh, it was one man band for sure. Really? Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, that was like um, immediate. Like, we went, in, we went on tour... The first show was in Chicago in January, and that wasn't necessarily going to be the next single yet. And we played it, and people were already singing it like, like louder than some of the hits that we had already had. And it was just kind of like a, you know, grat track at that point. So it was such an immediate response to that song. Yeah, that's my that's my jam. That's my jam too. As soon as it came out, I remember hitting you up being like, "This is my favorite song of my whole life this week." Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that, <laughs> well, was a, that was definitely the biggest one. Well, listen, man, good to talk to you. I know we were going to do this in studio, but the virus got us, and well, hopefully, it doesn't have either one of us. But uh, we we had to throw it down on the phone, so we'll be sure to connect up one day in person. But listen, big fan of what you do. You know, I'm a massive Old Dominion fan. Is when it comes to, to albums, I don't think man should put them out anymore unless your name is Old Dominion. That's the only album that I care to invest all my time into because you guys just do f- hit after freaking hit. And the songs you don't put on your record, other artists take them and then they have number one. It's like you're just passing out charity hits. I appreciate it, man. Thank well, you. good to talk to you, Matt, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Stay healthy. All right, see you, Matt. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber. Not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? 
I've, I've lost count. Or shoot that, shoot that. And even checkouts not until four, so because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and four PM late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com/slash with Amex. Terms apply.